Welcome to the first episode of Digging In, Missouri Farm Bureau's brand new podcast, where we're going to dig into what's going on in Missouri politics and national politics that affects Missouri agriculture and rural Missourians. We're going to talk with our legislative team to get some insight into where things stand today. And first up is B.J. Tanksley. He's our Director of State Legislative Affairs. Wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on here in the Capitol in Jefferson City. Uh, today is uh, is the the day before the uh, session really gets going um, for this week that we're recording on Tuesday. It's about five degrees outside, so uh, not a lot of people in town yet, but it sounds like things are starting to get uh, heating up over in the Capitol on the second or third week here. Yeah, you know, with the uh, with the weather and the federal holiday yesterday, uh, the session taking a little slower start this week, but um, but looking forward to getting things really rolling. You know, the first two weeks of session were kind of a slow start. Um, the House got a few things done last week, focusing on ethics reform and a uh, human trafficking bill. But as far as actual movement of uh, multiple bills, where it looks like we'll start to see some of that stuff this week. Yeah. So you you mentioned that the House did act on some things. Has the Senate really taken much up? It sounds like they're kind of uh, busy with other items in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. The most the majority of the Senate time's been spent talking about other issues between uh, governors' board boards and commissions appointments and other issues that came up over the interim. That's really dominated the conversation in the Senate. Uh, it's not unusual for the Senate to get off to a slower start, um, but I would think that most people are starting to get a little frustrated at not seeing some actual bill movement at this point. Yeah, well, it won't be the first time that people have been frustrated at a Senate for being a little bit slow, uh, but that's sometimes their job, too. So what are, what are some of the things that are going to be the focus this year for Farm Bureau? Uh, over at the Capitol. Yeah, absolutely. So from Farm Bureau's perspective, um, not a lot of new focuses, but some of the same issues we've been talking about. Talking about transportation, uh, transportation funding, broadband, uh, rural broadband being a major issue in Missouri, and uh, as always, property rights being the top of the list for Missouri Farm Bureau members. On the transportation front, we all know our transportation system needs additional funding. You know, the uh, 21st Century uh, Transportation Task Force was out this summer and released their report in, in support of additional funding. Um, and I think they had a, a lot of great ideas, and we're, we're supportive of that as long as those funds are, are equally distributed or fairly distributed between rural and urban areas. Because um, we know that, you know, whether you're getting goods to markets or kids to school, um, our transportation infrastructure is vital to all Missourians. And so we'd like to see that, uh, see that supported by our legislature. It's been an issue that's been hanging out there for a while. Um, and I think it's time that we actually take some action on that. Now, how long has it been since the gas tax was raised in Missouri? It was the mid-90s, the last time a, a true raise raise did occur. So. And I was just reading a second ago that uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is proposing to raise the, the federal gas tax as well. So it sounds like this is something we're going to be hearing more about both on the federal level and the state level. Yeah, absolutely. And with the uh, with President Trump talking about an infrastructure bill, one of the things that's not talked about that is they're they're saying that the the state's level of input towards infrastructure will be higher whether it had been a 50-50 match or or that whatever those matches had been those match levels are going to be going up mm -hmm. if there is an infrastructure bill so we want to make sure that we're able to pull down those dollars if possible um and and additional funding may be necessary to do so sure well and then the broadband issue is something that's kind of actually connected to that a little bit uh we've seen that uh 
there's been a little bit of action there lately. So what's going on there? Yeah, on the broadband front, you know, Missouri was working with the uh, broadband working group last year and we're able to vet out a lot of great ideas. And just talking about the need of, of broadband, especially in rural Missouri, we rank uh, 42nd nationally in connectivity. And we've seen a lot of great media coverage since then of where we really stand and the issues that, that, are, that, that come up from the lack of broadband availability. You know, when we talk about it, it's not about Netflix and Facebook. We're really talking about economic development, the greatest health care, education. That's bringing leaders into our rural communities that may not want to live in the rural areas of Missouri, but we can get their input and their output, whether they be doctors or leaders in other, in other industries. But also, it's about economic development and allowing people to live where they want to live. You may want to run a business. Well, nowadays, with, with the world of the Internet, you can run that business from anywhere as long as you can have that constant connectivity. Unfortunately, that's not the case for all areas of Missouri. Um, and any step forward would be a, a welcome step um, at this point. Yeah, and actually having the Netflix and all that kind of stuff is actually important, too, uh, to have the type of services that people want to live with, um, that people have gotten kind of gotten used to some of those things and being able to have access to those in rural areas as well as no, the urban suburban areas is actually an important thing too. Oh, absolutely. When we talk about bringing the, the best and the brightest back to the areas they want to live, whether they grew up on a farm or didn't, if they want to live in rural areas, they're going to expect those same levels of service that they had uh, while they were in college or in other areas of their life. Um, and so we want to make sure that all areas of, of Missouri are competitive on that, on that front. Sure. Well, what about the property rights issues? What's going on with that right now? You know, on property rights fronts, there's always several fronts, but we've got issues out there, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's windmills in north or western Missouri or whether it's uh, transmission lines going across the entire state. Um, issues of, of where do we draw that line of property rights versus economic development or property rights versus, you know, the greater good. And we want to make sure that the, the landowner's rights are always, always protected. You know, whether, you know, we know as we see more and more energy going to wind and other types of energy, it's going to be important to get that from those wind-rich states that are out west of us to the areas that are highly populated, which are east of us. And so Missouri lies right here in the middle. I think we need to make sure that we lay a ground work that protects the property rights, property owners at this point, um, as we will probably see more and more of these infrastructure projects um, attempted to go across our mm -hmm. state. Well, what about the, the hot topic of the day for sure is the situation going on with the governor. He's uh, been embroiled in a bit of a scandal for the past week or so. And uh, what, have, what have you been hearing when you're on the ground over there in the Capitol? Yeah, you know, I think um, from my perspective, it's really unfortunate. You know, we already had kind of a, a a tough situation between, especially the Senate. The House had a had a better relationship, I would say, with the governor than the Senate. But the Senate already had kind of a touchy situation anyway, where the governor and several senators had been back and forth throughout last session as well as this session. Um, this scandal only adds fuel to that at this point, whether you want to call it a scandal or a misstep, I don't know. Um, but there's going to be a lot of questions as how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be on the governor. Um, the way he reacts to this situation, um, there's going to be many people telling him what to do, but it's going to take some leadership one way or the other for him to make a decision of how do we move forward through this. You know, it's one of those things. You may be able to overcome it. It may take some time, 
but it's going to take some tough decisions and a lot of people working together on this. Yeah, it sounds like this is not going away anytime soon. It's going to be the center of conversation for a long time. No, and, and that's something we definitely, I don't think anybody would say we needed in the Senate was something <laughs> else right. to talk about rather than dealing with the issues. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was talking to somebody else, I was, you know, there's major issues that we'd like to see addressed out there. The budget's, you know, going to be tough this year again. There's going to be some really tough conversations that have to be had. Um, and this only adds kind of a distraction to those major issues we need to deal with. Sure. It definitely makes it very difficult to get anything substantive done when you have to get that agreement a- across uh, a number of different senators and the governor's office as well. So, yeah, I'd say that's right. Yeah, it's a challenge. Well, one one last item I just wanted to mention is that you have started a new initiative. It was supposed to start today, but due to the cold and uh, poor weather, we've uh, ended up pushing it to next week to get started. But we're bringing some more of our members to Jeff City to go to the Capitol. Can you tell me what all you're planning for those? Yeah, really excited about that. Um, Bringing Missouri Farm Bureau members to the Capitol so they can share their story with legislators, both their own and others. You know, Missouri Farm Bureau has a good voice in the Capitol, and we always have. It's like good groundwork. But I think this is a great opportunity for us to expand on that. Our members are great at telling what they do and talking about the issues they care about. And this is going to be an opportunity for them to come in and talk about the things that are vital to them, to talk about their priorities from their perspective. Um, The plan for the day is for them to come in kind of mid-morning, visit with uh, legislators, both their own and others, and hopefully, you know, get to see the House and the Senate, get to visit with lots of people. And then we'll wrap up pretty early. We'll try to have a lunch. We'll invite some of those legislators to join us so they can sit down with their own constituents and then let them wrap up and let those folks get back home. Because I know there's always uh, vital things back at home, whether they're farming operations or their other work needs. Um, so we don't want to take their whole day, but I think it's a great opportunity for us to expand our impact in the Capitol so that they can meet with their legislators, share their own personal stories of why these issues, whether they be transportation, broadband, property rights, or any other of the issues that we work on throughout the year, uh, why those impact the, uh, our members on a daily basis. What if a member is interested in getting involved in that? What what could they do to try to get on that list? Yeah, the best way, we're doing that through our regional coordinators. So through our six regional coordinators around the state, they're all going to come in two to three times a year. And so if you have a chance, contact your local office or local board member or go straight to your regional coordinator and find out when your time is to come on up. Sounds great. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and stay warm out there as you go over to the Capitol. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Programs. So, Spencer, what's going on in Washington? Wow. So it's been a busy couple of weeks. Congress has returned from their holiday recess. And uh, first on the order of agenda um, and things that they need to get done is to fund the government. (laughs) It's kind of an important uh, role, right? Right. Yeah. It's just kind of a minor thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to do every year. Um, So as many of our listeners probably are aware, Congress um, and the federal government is under continuing resolution until this Friday, January 19th. Mm -hmm. So if they don't pass something by midnight on Friday, then the government would shut down. What are the prospects looking like for that to happen? So at this point, um, it does look like things are shaping up for another continuing resolution to be passed by Congress this week. What that would do, according to what I'm hearing, is it would push the government funding deadline to the middle of February in order to give legislators additional time to work on the budget proposal. Okay. That's something that they seem to 
do every time is, well, we just need a little bit more time. And then they don't do anything until it comes time again. So then they just need a little more time. So hopefully they'll be able to actually get something worked out this time. We certainly hope so. One thing that um, they do think might be attached to the continuing resolution that potentially is going to pass later this week uh, is some disaster aid for Mm -hmm. the victims of hurricanes. I know we had a lot of storms earlier, um, I guess early in 2017. I guess Mm -hmm. now it's 2018, so I shouldn't say earlier this year. (laughs) Seems like it, yeah. Right. But um, so there's potential for some disaster aid to be included in that continuing resolution. Uh, In addition, maybe some assistance for our cotton and dairy producers. I know that affects a lot of our members. Mm -hmm. And that could play into the the farm bill discussion as well and changing some of their programs a little bit before that comes up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the dairy provisions in the current farm bill, uh, dairy producers have the option of signing up for the margin protection program. These changes would make revisions to that margin protection program for the upcoming year. In addition, cotton is currently not eligible for, t- for Title I coverage under the Farm Bill, and these changes that would potentially be incorporated into a budget deal would make cotton eligible for the price loss coverage program, which is a Title I program. Okay. Yeah, that would be a huge change, actually. Uh, well, we'll keep a close eye on that as it comes around. Uh, what else are we hearing on agriculture policy? Yeah, so it is 2018, which means all eyes are focused on the 2018 Farm Bill. I just returned um, along with you and several other members of our staff and members of Missouri Farm Bureau from the American Farm Bureau annual meeting in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of ag policy discussion there for the coming year, voting delegates setting priorities for the organization um, to guide their policy positions for the coming year. A lot of discussion about farm bill dairy programs and where the organization wants to head with that. But a lot of different discussions, too. I mean, Farm Bureau, a lot of people may not realize that Farm Bureau focuses on a lot more than just what you would think of is traditional agricultural policy. Uh, President Trump was at the event in Nashville and spoke about the need for crop insurance and the importance of that, but also highlighted his priorities, including immigration reform, uh, welfare reform, and then infrastructure. So those are all all things that we're going to be watching very closely closely in the next few weeks, months, and, and throughout this year. Yeah, we had a great group <laughs> there in Nashville at the Opryland Hotel. I think since it's so close to Missouri, we had something like 90 people from uh, from Missouri that were able to make the drive down there and had a really nice uh, showing there. So it was good to have. I think next year, next year's in New Orleans? New Orleans, yes, that's yeah. right. And then followed by Austin, Texas. So we've got some really? some fun towns coming up. Uh, to And Nashville was a great place, too. There's so much music and um, it seems like we're just doing the music tour of Missouri uh, <laughs> at the United States the next couple of years here. But um, what else uh, are you working on? I know we've got a couple months out still, but the D.C. trip, the fly-in, is something you all have been trying to get uh, organized and together. How are things coming for that? So things are going really well. We're starting to get registration forms back in. So our annual Washington, D.C. trip is kind of the culmination of our annual resolutions process. We include members of our state resolutions committee, uh, collegiate farm bureau members, young farmer and ranchers committee members, our state board, and some of our county leaders. Um, And we take them to Washington in mid-March, and we really give them what I would like to call the full Washington experience. So they get to do hill visits. A lot of times we'll get to visit federal agencies and also do some uh, sightseeing. A lot of people have never been to Washington before. So it's a good opportunity to teach them a lot about their nation's capital and about how that legislative process works. It's really beneficial for our resolutions committee as well because they actually get to see the policies that they helped implement at work in the halls of the Capitol. Well, and speaking of that, at AFBF um, convention in Nashville, 
we had a pretty good um, result from M- Missouri's resolutions that we brought to the table that uh, were proposed. How, how did we fare in that? So we fared really well, actually. I like to say we batted a thousand. Um, so Missouri <laughs> first, brought your first year. You did very well. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I've had a lot of good groundwork laid for me, so I certainly can't take all the credit. Um, but it definitely was a team effort. So. Um, If you're not familiar with how American Farm Bureau's policy development process works, it's very similar to what we do here at the state level in Missouri. So for American Farm Bureau, each state brings policy resolutions, much like our counties bring resolutions to our state resolutions committee. The resolutions committee meets, they deliberate about those policies, and then they put forward a slate of recommendations uh, similar to what our resolutions committee does here. Those resolutions are printed and presented to the voting delegates, and the delegates have the opportunity to make comments and debate and even propose amendments and changes on the floor. Mm -hmm. So Missouri had five policy positions come through that process, including uh, language that we adopted our annual meeting about CRP mid-contract grazing, about conservation compliance contracts and changing those without an open comment period. We were against that. we opposed the sale, or excuse me, the <coughs> use of a fuel tax on non-highway farm diesel, in addition to a couple other things. And I'm very pleased to report that all of those passed through the process this time. Very good. Well, it seems like American Farm Bureau has a little bit easier time because they only have 50 states to deal with. <laughs> we have 114 counties here to deal with. So it's a, a very intricate process. It takes a lot of a lot of behind-the-scenes work. So yeah, good and work it's, there. It's really interesting to see, too, it being my first time at the American Farm Bureau Annual Convention, how different regions and how different mm-hmm. states feel on certain policy issues because not everybody agrees necessarily with the way Missouri feels about something. So it's interesting to hear those discussions and, and see how how all of those play out um, on the delegate floor. That's for sure. Well, appreciate the work you're doing there, and thanks again for talking with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs, and there's quite a bit going on this week with regulations and the uh, executive branch. So what are you working on this week? Well, we have a couple of different proposals pertaining to water quality um, that are involving both the state and federal uh, regulatory authorities, um, as well as some meetings to discuss um, additional restrictions on uh, scenic byways and also a couple of meetings pertaining to some other regulatory uh, proposals. But Right now, water quality seems to be at the top of the list. And what kind of water quality is that? Is that like lakes and rivers, or is that drinking water quality? What type of thing were you talking about there? Um, Primarily, we're talking about water quality standards pertaining to lakes. Um, Missouri had proposed some standards to restrict the levels of nutrients, specifically nitrogen and phosphorus, in lakes several years back, which EPA disapproved. And then there was a lawsuit filed by the Coalition for the Environment to force the EPA to set standards for Missouri if Missouri did not come up with standards that EPA would approve. And so in the course of that process, um, the EPA has had to put forward a proposal concurrent with the state's proposal. And now we are in a situation where if we don't get Missouri's proposal approved by EPA, then EPA will set standards for Missouri, which is not a good thing. 
Yeah. And does the Missouri proposal look like it has a a good chance of getting through, or do you know where things stand right now with it? Yeah, the the Missouri proposal looks very good. It's certainly backed by sound science and Missouri-based science, so that it's it's specific to Missouri conditions, which are actually much different from lake conditions in many other states. And so we hope that uh, that science will prevail. And fortunately, we have support from um, the governor's uh, office as well as many other. Um, state and federal officials, the congressional delegation and others who are helping to try to make sure that that Missouri proposal is the one that ultimately is approved. And if that didn't get approved and we had a more stringent thing, what type of um, potential regulations might we be looking at? Restrictions on people's actual farming operations? What what type of things are we trying to fight against here? There could well be permits uh, for types of farming activities that do not now fall under permit requirements. It's really somewhat like what we would have seen under the Waters of the United States or the WOTUS proposal that everyone heard, has heard a lot about and, and is still, in fact, working its way through the, the process. We think that the WOTUS proposal will ultimately be uh, revised in a manner that will make it far more practical. This numeric nutrient criteria proposal uh, also could result in similar types of restrictions um, if we don't make sure that we have the the proper standards in place. You mentioned this WOTUS issue. That is something that has been, seems like it never goes away. Um, That's how a lot of these issues seem to be. They just come back in a different form. And we, this week, are just kicking off a social media campaign um, that is called, If You Can't Float Us, It's Not WOTUS. And we're, uh, we're, you're probably going to be seeing a lot more of these little rubber duckies that have the hashtag on the front of, written on the front of them that says float us. And that is the general theme. This is an AFBF, uh, American Farm Bureau, nationwide initiative to try to show that the waters in the United States proposals, they should only regulate navigable waters, which means there ought to be water. And if it's not wet, um, then it shouldn't be called the navigable water. Um, We are going to be showing some of those duck videos and pictures on our social media and keep an eye out for ways you can participate in that uh, from home. But what what, what is going on with that WOTUS proposal right now? And what are we uh, expecting to come over the next few months? The, the WOTUS proposal, since it got so far along under the Obama administration, in fact, it, it was into the final rule stage. So if the court had not ruled that it would be stayed, then that rule actually would have gone into effect. Um, currently, it is considered a final rule, but it is not in effect because of the court action. So in order to unwind that process, basically the Trump administration had to come in and, of course, President Trump issued an executive order early on saying that we would be repealing WOTUS. And once the actual um, procedure started, there are certain steps that have to be followed. There have to be public comment periods. And so in this case, while uh, we would certainly like to see the repeal and, and the revisions happen much more quickly, we have to keep in mind that this process that's in place also works to our benefit when there are rules that we don't like. And so although it's taking a long time, it really makes sure that um, the process is followed fairly, 
whether it's a rule that we like or, or don't like. And so it, there are every indication is that um, the current EPA intends to move forward with repealing the rule as it existed previously and coming forward with a revised rule, which we will then um, be commenting on to try to make sure that, that that is, in fact, a reasonable rule, and we think that it will be. Mm. And that's something that American Farm Bureau has talked to us a lot about, to make sure we are uh, understanding and aware of the fact that we still do need a rule, yes. um, and that we're just needing a rule that makes sense, not a rule like uh, was proposed in the Obama administration that was outrageously overreaching. What we need is a definition that everybody can work with so that we can have certainty, but that actually defines waters as uh, n- defines navigable waters as actual riverways, waterways, rather than potential um, uh, dry creeks and hills that don't have water on them hardly at all, uh, like the Obama rule was. So it sounds like that's something that they're they're working towards something that may be a little more reasonable. If you go back to the very beginning with WOTUS, the thing that started it all were court rulings that changed the way the Corps of Engineers and the Environmental Protection Agency were interpreting statute. And so there was a call by uh, organizations both um, on all sides of the issue for clarification from EPA. Unfortunately, what EPA did was they uh, went way beyond clarification yeah. and decided to Rather than a, clarifying, they extended and exactly. grabbed. Right. So so now we're kind of going back to that process of take those court rulings, which were favorable to landowners, and put that into place in, in regulation so you don't have this uh, aggressive overreach by Corps of Engineers and others that are interpreting statute. Sure. Well, we'll keep an eye out for developments on that front and look forward to hearing updates as things come along on that. Keep an eye out for those uh, those rubber duckies that are going to be floating through your Facebook and Twitter feed coming up soon. Well, thanks for stopping and talking in with uh, talking with us today, Leslie. Appreciate your work on these issues. Thank you. We have a full calendar of events that are coming up over the next few weeks and months, so please take note of these to make sure you're ready for them when they come. The first week of February is going to be our annual Thank a Farmer Week. We have resources that we've been sending out to the county Farm Bureau chapters. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, please let us know. Uh, we are preparing information to, to send out for social media as well. Uh, we've sent out draft press releases for the activities that you do in your counties and all sorts of uh, other resources that you can use during that week. So please pay attention to those uh, materials that have been sent out to the county Farm Bureaus for the first week of February. The second week of February is the annual Young Farmers and Ranchers Conference at Tantara. If you haven't registered yet, please go ahead and get that done so that we know that you're coming. We have a good lineup ready to go there, and I think that we're going to have a great um, great event this year, the second week of February, second weekend of February at Tantara. And then, as we mentioned in speaking with Spencer Tuma, March is the fly-in to Washington, D.C., the annual trip that we take out there, I believe it is the third week of March. It's the 13th through the 16th. So if you haven't gotten your registration in and you're one of the people who's eligible to go, please do make sure to get in touch with Spencer so that we can make sure to have a reservation for you. We have a huge group that goes out there. It's usually 90 to 100 people. So we have a lot of people to keep track of. Please make sure that you get get your registration in so that we can make sure you're accounted for. Thank you for listening. Tell us what you think by leaving us a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud, and we will see you next week.